0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I'm here with Danny Hatch, and we're ready to give you updates on all the exciting news and happenings <laughs> in the world of movies, the world of Utah. Well, maybe not in the entire world of Utah, just maybe kind of Utah as it pertains to movies. <laughs> Although, I don't know.
1: Sometimes it feels like a small world, you know? So It, it, it is it a works.
0: small world, and, and I don't know. I, I always feel tempted to want to talk about more than movie stuff on here, so... I don't know. It's it's our podcast. I guess we can do what we want, but maybe we should at least try to keep things keep things kind of focused.
1: Keep it on theme. Uh,
0: speaking speaking of focus, how is your uh, how's your semester going?
1: <laughs> Ooh, that's that a little a bad pointed. <laughs> It's like, how's that focus? You got it anywhere? No, it's gone. Um. No,
0: it's it's more self incriminating because I'm I'm questioning my own focus.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, okay. So I guess we're in the same boat then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm just kind of. Um, been going to the beat of my own drum this week. I, I accidentally skipped a class. I've never done that before, but it's like, you know, just by by accident. I, it was it was honestly by accident. Um and I'm too embarrassed to tell the teacher I was stupid, so I'm just like, oh, this was a deliberate decision, I guess. So, um
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> it's uh it's I don't know. It's uh I don't know. I mean, I guess we could always keep returning to this over and over again, but the idea is, that keeps Popping up for me is just, isn't this pandemic over yet? Like, can we just be? I know. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm such uh, an
1: impatient person, so like that side of it has been pretty bad on on my part. I I know I should be better about that, and and I've learned a lot about patience. Mostly that I, I'm not a person with it, but like right, right. you know, it's. I I think we'll get there.
0: I, I think what's hard is that a substantial part of my life has returned to. Its previous routine, and so the parts that haven't
1: mm. seem
0: annoying. Does that makes it make needs sense? to catch up. Yeah, right, right. That makes sense um, because there are just, you know, we, we I mean we all have different parts of our life functionally. You know, school and work, and you know, and and church and family and friends, and even like grocery shopping, right? Because grocery shopping has been kind of a focal point of okay, well, you know, do you have to wear masks? Do you have to do this? Mm. And and so when when certain things have really just kind of gone back to normal a long time ago. Like even, gosh, even a year ago now. Yeah. But then, but then other things, you know, because uh, we we got uh, instructions, and I, I don't know if you saw the same thing, but we got instructions for oh, okay, well, if you have a certain number of students who have tested positive, that you need to shift your classes online, and so just kind of with continuing stuff like that. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that might not be relevant to include <laughs> when we already have an hour and a half long discussion about Valentine's movies to plug in, so.
1: <laughs> oh, no, that's going to be super exciting, so we're going to kind of speed along through all this stuff. Right. One thing that continues to be different this year is the Sundance Film Festival, which just wrapped up, um, but of course, like we mentioned last time, it was kind of at last minute, switch to being a virtual right. viewing experience, which right. was such a bummer, like, you know, I, know. I, I love being there with the crowds and everything, right? Like, I I want to be walking around Park City and picking and choosing all these different films. Yeah,
0: it's it's kind of become an an expectation, I guess, because I, I I've done it for so for so many years that this time of year I expect to be walking around Park City,
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know, and and packing in with lots of people from out of town watching these movies, and it's it's weird to not do that.
1: But um. We do have the awards now, and uh, just a few that there's been a lot of buzz around, and um, hopefully we'll be seeing those coming to um, more local theaters and streaming services in upcoming months. Um, first was Nanny. For a documentary, we have The Exiles. And the Festival Favorite Award was Malvelny. And um, so, yeah, be on the lookout for those ones.
0: So that is, that is kind of one of the fun things about being in Utah is that, you know, these, these big Sundance movies, because there, there are so many, in fact, that's, that was always one of the things that, that I found funny and frustrating at the same time was that <laughs> there is this overload of movies. Like there's just no way you're going to cover everything. And so what, either there's always kind of this question of, okay, am I going to find the good ones or am I going to get stuck with, you know, cause I would have years where there was, I think it was 2016, I only saw about, you know, 10-12 movies but they were all just good and I just I felt like I would, my batting average was awesome that <laughs> year. And then the next year it was the exact opposite where I just seemed to pick out every dud available. And so so it's kind of fun in Utah to be in the situation where you have them all kind of present and right there early in the year, but then the same movies will just kind of start, you know, certainly the the best ones will start floating to the surface. Mm -hmm. Like you say, uh, either, you know, a lot of times they'll turn up at the, you know, the, the Broadway or the tower or, or, uh, you know, and some of them will come to more kind of mainstream, you know, like the Megaplex theaters and stuff, but, uh, but yeah, increasingly streaming services. I mean, I remember all kinds of, there were, there were some where the festival wasn't even over and they were already a Netflix production, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and Amazon prime and all this kind of thing. So, there are even
1: new streaming services that are just dedicated to independent film like you know just it's totally different landscape for sure
0: it is it is with with pros and cons that i don't know maybe we'll (laughs) easily an easy discussion yeah to go on to, to go on to there's a lot to think about there
1: yeah but in the meantime we do have a lot of new films those mainstream kind of ones and uh that's right we, we have some interesting ones coming up
0: of course now that we've given it that big exciting introduction now i'm gonna have to say nasty things about the big movie that came out last weekend <laughs> uh, which is just i don't know i'm gonna start to de- develop a reputation because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it seems like we're always covering these these crap movies um yeah. so no but uh so okay Moonfall uh, just uh, plummeted into theaters. I guess last weekend might be the way. <laughs> Maybe that's the best way to phrase it. Crashed um, in.
1: Oh, oh, oh dear.
0: Well, you know, I I can't say I'm I'm hugely surprised at the results here because I, I kind of I don't know there was I was excited to see this movie because the concept sounded really cool and the concept is really cool. But because I knew who was making the movie, I was kind of holding my breath based on past results. And unfortunately, they kind of proved to be exactly what I feared. Roland Emmerich, uh, the director of Independence Day and The Day After Tomorrow and that Godzilla that we don't like to talk about, um, <laughs> or I guess maybe we do like to talk about if you want to rant about really, really bad, you know, bad movies from the late 90s. Um, He's the director, and and just like I say, I mean, he directed Independence Day. He also directed uh, Stargate, and so th- there's some really good you know movies on his resume, but just kind of increasingly there's it just hasn't really gone very well, mm-hmm. and and so the the sum total of of you know my 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 summary of Moonfall is that it is a really kind of a fun, cool concept, but it just comes off like it was executed by a 12-year-old and not in a good way, you know, like it it wants to be smart enough to appear intelligent, but doesn't mm-hmm. succeed. Um, it has whimsical kind of dumb elements that are supposed to make things light and fun, like Independence Day, but doesn't yeah. pull that off. So it's kind of stuck in the middle where it's it's too dumb to take seriously but not smart enough and just i don't know it's it's not smart sci-fi it's not dumb fun sci-fi like independence day and so you're just kind oh, of okay it's very frustrating because i'm watching you know okay so well let me back up a little bit the premise is that the moon gets knocked out of its orbit and winds up on on kind of a An orbital collision course with the earth. So it's not like heading in a straight line towards the earth. It's just its orbit is continuing to draw it closer and closer to the earth. And so, you know, all kinds of environmental and ecological craziness ensues. And and the threat is that the closer the moon gets, it's going to start breaking apart and showering us with, you know, asteroids and and debris and stuff. And it's going to be the end of all humanity. Um, And so, it's kind of a cool concept, you know, and, and it. I don't think it would be too hard to present that in a, in an intelligent way, but it needlessly, I don't know, it's, it's campy and dumb without being fun. And there are just way too many characters, uh, totally underused characters. In fact, um, Michael Pena is in this movie and I just, that guy is like the MVP of the ant-man movies and <laughs> his so role here is so it's like why you could have plugged any guy into that role and he could have said those lines and just been completely functional. Why on earth would you take somebody like Michael Pena and put him in here and have him do nothing?
2: Mm. Cause
0: it's just, you know, not, not that he has to be this crazy funny guy every time, but there's just like nothing. I don't know. I but don't like, know. Like give Maybe, him something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You've got all kinds of, it's, it's another one of those kind of things. I mean, it's, it's similar to independence day in that you have kind of a, a broadcast that has, you know, three or four different simultaneous stories and plots, but they're covered so quickly. Um, I mean, at the beginning of the movie, I felt like I was watching a cliff notes version of a movie. Like somebody had taken a, a longer movie and chopped it up into little bits just so that I, I was barely getting enough to vaguely follow what was going on. And then, of course, towards the end of the movie, they totally slam on the brakes and bring in, you know, a character to just give exposition and explain everything that's happening. And it's just, I don't don't know. I mean, when a movie is a train wreck, sometimes it can still be fun because it's just, you know, so bad it's fun. But Mm -hmm. in situations like this, I almost find myself more frustrated because there's potential here to do something really cool. I really like this idea, Mm -hmm. but it's so mishandled and so misinterpreted that it feels like a wasted opportunity more than a just turn off your brain and enjoy the ride. You know, because there's, I mean, there's still the cool special effects and, you know, there's all kinds of mayhem and it's it's, it's another CGI disaster movie like Day After Tomorrow and, you know, and, and so... I don't know. I I guess that's why I say like I I was looking forward to this movie because I recognized its potential but also was worried that it was going to be what it turned out to be and it turned out to be what I expected it to turn out to be.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's such a bummer though because I did think (laughs) – because this did definitely look like, oh, this is just going to be a fun time, but I think that's interesting that it's kind of like in this middle area. Yeah. Where, and
0: that's, that's really the problem.
1: Yeah.
0: Like if, I think if, I think if they just totally steered into the let's have fun and be crazy and off the wall, it would have been a lot more forgivable because you would have kind of understood that that's what this is. And this is what this is going to be, but that, yeah, yeah. but there's just, cause I don't know. I mean, I, I think part of it is just because we're a more sophisticated culture or and maybe that's the, maybe it's a pretentious way of saying it. I think, I think that audiences nowadays expect to have some degree of scientific, intelligent rationale behind science fiction and fantasy and stuff where it's not enough to just say this happened. We have to have a little bit of explanation context to make it seem more believable, right? I guess so. So maybe we're more, our our expectations, and our skepticism, you know, is a little different than it. Maybe say during the Independence Day era, yeah. and so, so it seems like Moonfall is trying to appease that need, mm. but kind of, not just kind of. It's 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 failing, and, yeah. And so, it, it so that's can't forcing do that.
2: it, yeah. Oh. Right,
0: right. But uh, anyway, on the on the bright side, um, <laughs> no pun intended. I guess we could make a dark side of the moon Pink Floyd reference.
2: Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) I love it.
0: (laughs) uh, The movie coming out, the big movie coming out next weekend is quite good. And uh, we'll be talking more about that with our next podcast. Uh, We got the, uh, the follow-up to, I can't even remember what year it came out. It's been, everything is so distorted because of COVID and the pandemic. Um, (laughs) So death on the Nile is the new uh, Hercule Poirot detective, Agatha Christie, you know, adaptation Um, from Kenneth Branagh, uh, he did, uh, a new version of Murder on the Orient Express a couple years ago, um, before everything went cuckoo birds and I was okay with that one. I didn't really like it that much. Um, I kind of, I still preferred the, the Albert Finney version from gosh, like 40 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the, this death on the Nile, I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, so oh, we'll I'm talk so more glad. about that one. Yeah, no, because I, you know, I want to give you a chance to see that one. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm and... definitely
1: excited to see that one. I really liked Murder on the Orient Express. I, I, I too really like the old one, and I thought the the newer one was fun, and I do like no, it no, well it had.
0: And... Well, let's put it this way: if, uh, if, it, if we're comparing Moonfall to the recent Murder on the Orient Express, Orient Express wins in a,
2: <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: By a long shot, yeah. I just—I don't know. In fact, I'm—it it was long enough ago that I'm trying to remember exactly what it was that I wasn't that crazy about. Because um, mm-hmm. I love—I love the cast. I, you know, it's a great story.
2: Yeah. I
0: don't know if it's just that I was already familiar with the story that made it less suspenseful. Um, it did seem like it was—I I do remember being a little frustrated that they were trying to make it into kind of an action movie, a little more than than I remember the original story being. Um, but, uh, well, it's these it,
1: millennials it, and their attention spans. And...
0: That's what it is. Just ruining everything.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so look forward to that. Um, that should be coming out on what the 11th, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, and we'll, we'll take some more time to dig into that one, uh, along with some more stuff. Okay, well, if you're actually watching this on time as you should be, then it's early February, and you know what that means—Valentine's Day. So uh, we got we got a special segment. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about for this episode. We're gonna talk about Valentine's movies and all of the ups and downs of the holiday. And to do that, we needed to bring in our uh, our friend slash the 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 King Casanova himself. <laughs> Mr. Mark LaRocco has joined us again. Woo-hoo! Welcome, welcome back, Mark.
3: Dude, I think that's the first time I've ever been called the King Casanova. <laughs> first time I've ever even heard that phrase. I, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm here for
0: you. Whatever I can do, whatever I can do. Um, it's, it's almost time for Valentine's Day, and uh, which, which is kind of an interesting interesting holiday as far as movies are concerned. I mean, it's just an inter- interesting holiday anyway, mm-hmm. right? Um, you guys probably have a little bit more, I don't know, maybe obligation when it comes to Valentine's Day <laughs> than I do. Um, probably. Even, even, though culturally, even though culturally, I still seem to have an obligation with Valentine's Day, which I think is kind of strange. There's this feeling like, well, if you're not dating anybody, if you're not married, you still need to have a party. With all the other losers.
3: Well, and so, yeah. E- either so, e- either a party or actually go on a date, which just ramps up the pressure even more. Yeah, no Like to have kidding. a yeah. Valentine's yeah. Day date. I'm pretty sure. I think.
0: Oh gosh, I'm trying to remember if this was a blind date or if this was some kind of a, a, a group setup thing. But but I actually did go on one on on one on Valentine's Day that was some kind of a blind date type. So just terrible idea i mean not that it's really you know like there's any kind of like mystical importance to the actual day itself but yeah no just uh not a bad not a bad uh day to just kind of sit in and watch a movie yeah it's funny so maybe i guess
3: i guess you're right no matter what station in life you're at there's always some valentine's day pressure because because when you're married you you know you want to make it special and and do something extra Mm -hmm. nice and unless you have some sort of you know, implicit or direct agreement with your your spouse to say, hey, we're just gonna do this and that's it. Let's just go out to eat and that's it. Not get each other anything. Like yeah, there's yeah. there is more pressure, I think.
0: Well, based on the marketing that I see, sometimes it seems like Valentine's is more of a threat than a holiday. <laughs> like like that's that's the angle. Maybe maybe it's you just because I'm listening to sp- yeah. <laughs> Well no exactly. Yeah. Like that's that's maybe it's just because I'm listening to sports, you know, sports talk radio, but the, the ads always seem to be geared around, well, Valentine's Day is coming up, guys, so you better do this or else. Get on top of that. It's, right. like,
2: it's
1: yeah. like,
0: wow, what a, what a great way to celebrate love and affection with a threat. <laughs> the, you know, you, you would better do this or else. Yeah, but
1: Totally sucks anyway. the romance out. Yeah, for or, sure. or it's
3: just some ridiculous, like you see an ad where, kind of like the Christmas ad where it's like a brand new SUV with a bow on it. That's a surprise gift <laughs> for your spouse that like no n- normal person could afford ever.
0: I, uh, oh yeah, with with those those amazing, uh, just like you said, like, no normal couple buys each other eighty five thousand dollar trucks yeah. there, spontaneously for the holidays. Yeah, no, that's an...
1: a that's a conversation waiting to happen. Like yeah. you know, my husband right, right. got me a car and I saw it. I'm just like um. <laughs> You didn't consult me on this.
3: (laughs) Right. There's an SNL skit about that. You should watch. (laughs) Sounds
2: good.
1: And I'm thinking about this pressure thing, too. And I think it's just, you know, right at the start of our lives, too, because the most pressure I've ever felt around Valentine's Day was getting that perfect candy to put in all the little mailboxes for all the kids in my elementary school class. Oh no. <laughs> because I wanted to be the cool kid with like good notes, but it couldn't be like too romantic cuz like, you know, boys have cool. You don't want to send the wrong message, exactly. right? Exactly. So it yeah. has to be like So Yeah.
0: So did you make your own Valentine's boxes? Is was that still because that was the tradition when I was growing up was like Me too. It would. I mean, the candy was great, but it, the Decorating. the bigger deal was how am I going to you know what? What brilliant concoction I got, am, I, am I going to come up with? Because I, mean, I remember one time making the Empire State Building or making like this little version of it, like you know, and then you'd stick the stick the Valentines in.
2: Like, oh my gosh, like, that's 90th, sick. Oh
0: yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It didn't look that great. I mean, I was like in the fourth grade, you know. But <laughs>
1: with, but that like, was the kids cool thing. Was and yeah. Glue, but.
0: <laughs> right, right, but the but you know the Valentines boxes were kind of like this creative expression. But I don't know if that if that was just Tolman Elementary in the 1980s or if that was something that is that has endured beyond.
1: That's the problem with my my generation, you know, with my youth, we we depend so much on technology that it's just stifled our uh, cre- <laughs> creating. That's right. Side, right. I guess so.
0: So it's just I guess so.
1: No, um, I think my siblings had a time or two. I yeah, I, I don't know why that wasn't a craft idea i don't know maybe it's because it would have been too much of a popularity contest it's like oh this person's got a really cool box we gotta slip some extra yeah well no well you know these something. these days we're know.
0: competing on social media for for our prowess and for our True. you know our superiority mm-hmm. so yeah okay well how, how about let's let's do the conversation <laughs> back <Sorry>. to last <laughs> lest, lest we go too far because i'm suddenly having all of these valentine's day flashbacks from elementary school i'm thinking I don't know that I want to go down that road. Josh is <laughs> right starting now. to like twitch
1: in his seat.
0: Just... <laughs> it's like, oh, well, maybe this is why I hate Valentine's Day. I think of it, it's childhood <laughs> trauma. Okay, um, uh, so so here's here's a question for us. Here's an appropriate question for us. What constitutes a Valentine's movie? Like, if you're if you're gonna pull out a movie for for Valentine's Day,
3: what's what? I mean does it have to be well i mean the first thing Go ahead. yeah the first thing is just a romantic comedy right okay. like i mean a, a movie that's supposed to be kind of light and fun uh i guess it doesn't have to be a romantic comedy there's other romantic dramas you know so either one i think mm-hmm. applies but you know a, a movie where there's a meet cute with two attractive people who somehow just cannot find love and have never been able to, you know, maybe until they get together. And, uh, and then, like, you know, hopefully by the end, through all the machinations of the plot that they somehow... Once, once somebody takes their
0: glasses off. Right.
3: <laughs> and takes out their ponytail. She's <laughs> all that. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, it's funny how... Um, do you remember the movie uh, Monsters Ball with Halle Berry? And how, I didn't
0: see it, but I know what it, yeah. Yeah,
3: it's a great movie, but she's supposed to be like this down on her luck, you know, single mom that's not struggling, you know, and all this kind of stuff yeah. and and poor. And, and, you know, Jim Gaffigan jokes like, well, she's really pretty. I mean, she's, she could be a model, maybe get some headshots together and get a job, <laughs> you know, like.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so so the, 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 the thread, though, the constant thread, Mark, you're saying is that, it needs to be romantic to some degree whether it's whether it's a comedy whether it's yes. a drama yeah it does i think it, D- i think Annie, it does do you?
1: Yeah. yeah i mean honestly that that probably sums it up really um i just think it's kind of in the same realm as when we were talking about christmas movies how you know they're it, it takes place during a certain time and and i'm just thinking about it with all these commercials how they turn into these threats right and um, mm-hmm. With movies, I think they kind of put that romance back in. So theaters are probably, you know, almost as busy on Valentine's Day as they are around Christmas, right? Like, it's, you know, the, you, you have to have all your romance movies. Like, you got to go see a movie. And um, so I, I think a lot of it's kind of the the release date, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, where it's like, maybe unlike Christmas, where it's like a Christmas movie needs to take place around Christmas time. A Valentine's movie doesn't need to take Place around Valentine's Day, but I think it needs to be released um, to audiences around that time so that everyone kind of associates it like, oh yeah, this romantic movie and I saw it with um, my my spouse or my boyfriend, my girlfriend and um, we didn't really pay much attention to the movie, but uh, you know, like that kind right, of association right. with it.
0: Yeah. Well, because one of, one of the things that I've wondered and, and have thought about is, you know, I, I think a lot of this comes down to who the audience or who the movie is trying to please in terms of audience. And, mm. and this, this is kind of how I get to this, get to this point, because I know that there are a lot of times where, where, where people will kind of dismiss any kind of romantic movie mm. as a quote unquote chick flick. Right. And, and, and it's kind of this disparaging. It's like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't, that's, that's so good. And, and what I've, what I feel is that romantic comedies are in kind of a different category. One of the things that I've noticed is that romantic comedies even if it seems like they are generally aimed at more of a female audience, there's still elements there that try to appeal to the male demographic as well, right? So it's kind of like kind of like with with Pixar where the kids love it but the adults there's something for them too. Mm. And with romantic comedies it seems like there's an effort to to give the guys some laughs as well so that because the idea is that oh well they're going to be dragged along to see these movies so we, let's let's help help them to enjoy it as well whereas something that I would consider more of kind of the you know the, the stereotypical chick flick thing would be that's a movie that has no interest in appealing to men whatsoever. And it's exclusively for a female audience unapologetically. And so, so it's, you know, that one would be like really hard as the guy to go to because you wouldn't have, Anything really to hold on to? Does that make sense?
1: No, that makes total sense.
0: Is, is, is that brutally sexist of me? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I really do like a lot of romantic comedies. Yeah. And so, yeah. so whenever I thought, whenever I've heard somebody kind of refer to a romantic comedy as a chick flick, it's like, well, no, because I kind of like those movies, and that's that's not weird, right? I mean, there's there's some genuinely, you know, appealing appealing stuff here, and so, so I kind of thought, oh, well, I wonder if you know maybe they're thinking more of movies that that really just don't target a male audience at all. And like, that's, that's going to be a little bit more exclusive. Whereas the romantic comedies are trying to be a little bit more universal Mm -hmm. or maybe just overthinking this, which is, you know, entirely possible.
1: No, I I think it's great because, you know, um, now that I have two gentlemen here with me, um, because this whole (laughs) holiday is catering to me. I'd say one and a
0: half at best.
1: (laughs) <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm, I'll just, you know, rely on, on you guys to help clarify. I'll like present something. It's like, oh, no, that's just catering to you. It's like, oh, no, I enjoy <laughs> that as well. So that'll be a good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> judge there.
3: Yeah, I wonder because I, I think that romantic comedies could fall under the, you know, the category of, of chick flicks, um, but chick flicks would even be broader in some sense. I look at movies that, for for example, a chick flick doesn't have to be a comedy. It could be a serious movie. It could be a dramatic mm-hmm. movie, um, and I think, well, what are some movies that seem to be marketed really exclusively or primarily toward women, and just probably the average man does not have much interest in it? And it would be mm-hmm. something like *Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants* or mm-hmm. um, S- *Steel Magnolias*, maybe, or *Beaches*. Like movies, maybe where there's there's a lot of female characters. The predator. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, but think about (laughs) movies where, like, there's mostly female characters, maybe four or five, and maybe one supporting male character, and, uh, you know, a lot of those, I think, really are chick flicks, but then you think of movies like, say, The Notebook, which is not a romantic Mm -hmm. comedy, but it's like a romantic drama, but it seems to be, like, something that more women would like, maybe a lot more women would like than men, you know?
0: Yeah, no, and and because... Now, I've never actually seen The Notebook. I've heard of many, many things about it. Just so I'm accurate here, The Notebook is a Nicholas Sparks adaptation, right? Right. Like, and I, I haven't Sparks. seen it
3: either, but I've I've read it. I've actually listened to the audiobook, and I, I did love it. I thought it was great. Um, but I, I haven't seen the movie, so.
1: I haven't seen it either. <laughs> we all not.
3: Really? Oh, wow.
0: We
1: can't speak on so, The Notebook. So,
0: I was going to say, we're, we are totally qualified to talk about <laughs> Because no, because the, the thing I was gonna point out, Mark, which is exactly what you were alluding to, is that when, when I think of something that I would classify as more of kind of like a, a exclusive female chick flick type of thing, the Nicholas Sparks movies come to mind because mm-hmm. I in uh, 'cause I've had to review several of them and not a single one appeals to me at all. Like there's nothing in there that's trying to connect with, with, with me as the guy and, and to, to kind of appreciate, like, the guy's perspective. Like, those movies are targeted 100% at women, you know, unapologetically.
1: You know, I wonder and with that if part of why it's, like, it is totally not for a guy is because, like, the guy is just going to be, like, perfect and, like, no flaws. And he does all these mm-hmm. unrealistic things. And he's just, you know, supportive yeah. of this girl who's a, who's a mess, just like every other girl in the audience. So I, I think it's kind of that, you know, unbalanced where it's like you can't really relate to those guys. Um, honestly, I but have a hard time relating the to those time, girls, too.
0: But, yeah. yeah. Well, and at the, at the same time, I, the, the value to it is that I, I watch a movie like that and I think, oh, my gosh, is this how women feel watching most of my movies? Is that their characters are really just there to be functional, Right? Or or to be to be perfect or, you know, Ooh. because I'll look I'll look at these characters you know, because every Nicholas Sparks character, it's like some southern guy who's got his shirt off half the time and like you say, he says and does everything perfect. And I'm just thinking, is this what most movies do to women? Like You know what it's so it seems funny,
1: <laughs> you know. Because okay, so this might be a tangent and I might cut this out. Um In our film class today, because we're taking this sci-fi film class where we're just analyzing science fiction film over the years, different, you know, um, just topics and everything, and we watched Blade Runner this last week, and I do not like that movie, Um, though I do think, you know, it has a lot of great cinematography, a lot of great effects, it's very, very, very stylish. I find the movie um, boring at best, but then uncomfortable at worst because of how it portrays the women in that movie it's just Uh really uncomfortable to watch so i do think there is something there and we were talking about that with science fiction where it's like mostly caters to men right Mm -hmm. and so it's yeah you know that can be a turnoff for women even though they would have an interest in the science fiction and you know um and i definitely do love that genre but when i'm watching a movie that um, is portraying women in a certain way because they're wanting to just cater to the male audience it's, uh-huh. it's just hard to watch
3: yeah yeah yeah. I, I would, and I, I might have to so I agree with you by the way on Blade Runner I, I watched it for the first time in about a year or two ago and I'd heard so much about it I'd read about it for years and it just to me was not it was actually just kind of boring I, I mean I totally. get that it was a gritty yeah. uh, cool way to look at the, the you know LA you know 50 years from now, or from from when it came out in 1982, you know, but it was not, it just was, it was, yeah, it was just not a pleasant movie, yeah. um, but yeah, I yeah. I'd have to push back a little bit on, like, I don't think a chick flick always shows uh, guys, you know, like a, like the perfect guy in it, and, and that's kind of what it would appeal oh, sure. to. I think sometimes it's more the opposite, sometimes there are movies that like the women are the strong characters and the guy who the woman finally gets the strength to leave by the end of the movie is just a total loser. And it's like a female empowerment, like a girl power movie. Mm. You know, like a movie, I was thinking of a movie like Waitress, for example, Um, you know, where it's just like strong female characters, kind of a loser guy. And, you know, a guy watching that might be like, well, that's, I don't want to be like that or that's not me or, you know, that's, it's, I think maybe there's that, there's some, chick chick flick movies like that no that's yeah. a, that's
1: a good point my dad calls that the um pathetic man trope and it's like any movie with hugh grant uh. in it he, he's always the, oh, the, the, the pathetic <laughs> man
3: yeah
0: because he's doddering and yeah exactly <laughs> and feeble <laughs>
3: yes. the, the charmingly i think what was it i think family guy called him charmingly befuddled and it has, <laughs> he, when he talks he, he doesn't even like he just stutters he doesn't even talk he's like
2: <laughs>
3: just kind of over and over, like trying to get out, spit out a sentence, but he's just too flustered. Yeah.
0: I know, but but I'm always so distracted by his perfect hair. Exactly. That, you know, it all, but, but there's it doesn't, the perfection. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, okay. Well, yeah. we're, we might have to come back to Blade Runner when we have some more time, because I, no, no, honestly, because I share a lot of you guys' same feelings. It was I. It was one of those movies that I heard about a lot as a kid, but because it was so R-rated and because it was so violent, I didn't actually see it until much later. And, and when I did, like I just kind of – Danny, almost exactly what you said was like I loved how it looked. Like that world was amazing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and, but it almost some, – sometimes I'll see a movie and there was – gosh, there was a, a Hugh Jackman one like a year ago that was a perfect example of this where I love the world – and just wish that I got to see a different story from that same world mm. because whatever story they chose or whatever movie they made just because the Blade Runner, like the movie was it was good, but it almost felt a little anticlimactic to me
1: oh based gosh. on what, yeah.
0: what else. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I will say, though, I watched the movie multiple times, mostly because I just want to introduce people to it so then they can watch the sequel, which was amazing. It took all the great things of oh, yeah. like the world building and everything, but it was actually an interesting story. And it yeah, didn't oh, make yeah. me feel uncomfortable.
0: So, one of the things is I was also considering as we were as I was kind of prepping for this episode was, does the romantic theme or or plot have to be the primary focus of the movie, or can it just be a subplot, right? Because there are lots of movies that have a love interest, right? I mean, there's 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 even a a love interest subplot to Die Hard, but that's not what the movie's about, right? And so. So even if you can argue it's a Christmas movie, it's hard to argue that it's a Valentine's movie, Mm -hmm. right? But are there there movies that would be really popular for Valentine's Day that really aren't about the love story? It just happens to have a love story. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah. I think a lot of modern drama and even action comedies and even – there's a lot of movies that have a love subplot or love interest subplot in them that aren't. Mm-hmm. valentine's movies or romantic movies you know so yeah i th- i think there are kind of a lot of movies like that um because i think that hollywood like studio execs that's one of their formulas one of the things that they think they need to draw in the female i mean we'll just say it like the female audience is that they think that there's a potential for a you know a love story or a love interest in a movie
2: yeah
0: and maybe i'm maybe i'm thinking about this in terms of you know the the screenwriting training I had in college, where it's talking about the three act structure. You know, and and so so does the romantic plot have to be what drives the three act structure, or can it be a subplot? But no, Mark, Mark, I like what you're saying, Dan, Danny. What do you think? Um, does a does a good Valentine's movie have to be focused on the romantic plot, or what do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I I think that actually is probably the biggest. For me personally, I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, maybe it's because, you know, it cater- <laughs> this holiday caters to me, right? And my demographic. So I-, I-, I think that's what makes a Valentine's Day movie different from any other movie that has romance in it, is that that is going to be the main plot. Like, we're coming to the theater with the expectation of having that good romance story. Um, So, I I, I do think that would be a defining characteristic, though there are a lot of movies where they have great romance in it, but that's not the main focus. And even a lot of the movies that I wanted to talk about, um, there are so many other things that happen in the background. But maybe because I'm, you know, I am the female who, you know, (laughs) hones in on that romance, kind of like Mark was talking about. Um, For me, like, the, the romance is the whole reason to watch these movies. So. Yeah. Okay. That might be my perspective on that, but again, I'm gonna have a different experience with these movies than you guys are gonna have. So.
0: So, so for you, the happily ever after is the, is the the big.
1: Um. Sometimes. Sometimes it's the journey too.
3: Yeah, I've actually thought about that a lot. Like, is a romantic comedy, and and I'm I, yeah, I'll say a romantic comedy. Does a romantic comedy to be a true romantic comedy have to end with the two? main love interests together like the two people that you just know from fairly early on in the movie that are meant to be together and the whole movie is just that sort of excitement building up of sort of the will they or won't they that you get in like even mm-hmm. long-running tv series but it's just in the two-hour you know two-hour movie because um, i can think of movies that are i guess romantic comedies i mean they're they're about romance and they're comedies but they don't end up together one of them in particular, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a spoiler because the very opening line of the movie tells you it's not a love story. Oh, I know what you're saying. Do you know which movie go I'm ahead, talking about? Oh,
0: yeah. It's and it's playing Regina
3: Spector's song, Us over the, the opening. Yes. Yeah, Regina I love Regina Spector
1: is one of my favorite artists. I love yeah.
3: that. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've seen her a couple of times in concert. She's great. And I even the beginning of that that movie that plays the song Us, and it shows different scenes of their childhood, you know, the two main characters. But like, yeah, it's they don't end up together, you know,
2: spoiler. Well, and
0: that was that was one of the first times I remember seeing what, what I'll, you know, quote unquote, that kind of movie that didn't wind up that way. Right. In fact, I had I had thought about it. And, and so because this is something that I've thought about as well is just, OK, is it more important to have kind of the the escapism, kind of like the 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 uh, hopeless romanticism? Or is there something of value to showing a character that doesn't realize their dreams over the course of the 90 to 120 minutes right because I now now this this might be a little too particular but I've, I've already I've already confessed I believe during our Christmas episode that I have a soft spot for the movie serendipity I can't remember if that uh, I, I did I did say that in public right <laughs> so one of the reasons that I like serendipity so much is because. There is a, there's a moment at the end of the movie before everything finally kind of climax. I mean, the, the, without recapping the whole thing, basically the, the movie's about two people who meet, get separated it's like seven years later, they are determined to kind of reconnect. And so of course the rest of the movie is about them finally finding each other. Right. And there's this, there's this moment in the movie all like literally like two minutes from the very end where John Cusack's character is basically resigned to his fate that he's never going to find Kate Beckinsale again, and he's going to have to just kind of go on without her. And he's just kind of having kind of like this ponderous moment, which, you know, is usually just kind of the setup for, oh, it's going to be bad, and oh, nope, there she is, and everybody's happy, right? And that's what happens in the movie. What I love, though, is that while he's kind of having this ponderous moment, he kind of has this happy look on his face and that that suggests that you know, it's going to be okay. You went through all this and maybe things didn't work out, but it's all right. Life goes on. He's still going to be happy. And I almost, and of course, this is, you know, what would completely undermine the, the box office for the movie and the whole point of the movie. I think that they could have ended the movie right there, right? If it was just from his point of view, they could have ended with him lying in that ice skating rink in Central Park with the snow coming down, happily realizing that life's going to be okay, even if, You know, he doesn't find this girl. And for that, that's one of the reasons I've always kind of loved this movie is because it feels like it has a more meaningful and hopeful message, though, even though at the end they eventually do get together and it's all, you know, because she she shows up at the ice rink and everything's all happy, happy, joy, joy. And but I just appreciated the fact that he showed kind of like perspective and wisdom and happiness before she even showed up. And I thought that was cool.
1: I love that point because I'd say, um, no, they need to end up together unless there's kind of this, it, it's still a satisfying ending. So that's why I like 500 mm-hmm. Days of Summer because, like, y- you feel good about the end. You, you're, like, you're okay with them not ending up together because it makes sense. And so, um as you were talking about that, I just think of... um these movies that I got really into by, um, his name is Ritesh Batra. He did The Lunchbox and um, a whole bunch of other movies where it's like, it almost seems like there's no romance in it whatsoever because, like, in The Lunchbox specifically, the characters are never actually in the same room together. They're all, it's, the whole relationship is over these notes. And in the end, you're all like, you're still left wondering, like, are they going to end up together? And you kind of don't know, and it still works because as the viewer, like whichever ending you found satisfying and happy, like that's what they had. And it just, it's a very satisfying experience. So I think it needs to, you know, it's okay to have just the journey there, as long as, you know, you as the viewer feel good about where the relationship stands at the end. And so that's why I think for the most part, we want them to end up together because that's gonna make us most happy, right? Unless we see throughout the journey. Um, La La Land was also a great example, right? Where it's like, you got to see the whole journey and then see where they end up. And it's like, you know what? I'm okay with that. That's good. So, unless you disagree with me on that. Sorry.
0: Did I ever tell you guys about my La La Land theory?
1: What? (laughs) No.
0: that, That La La Land exists in the same universe as that thing you do. Oh. Because... When uh, Emma Stone's character gets married, oh yeah, I... she gets married to the drummer from that thing you do who stays behind in Los Angeles at the end of the movie to become a musician, and so I mean, granted, there's like four decades of you know time that's that's eclipsed, but i, I in my mind, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, he stays behind and eventually marries Emma Stone
3: after things don't work out.
0: My with.
1: mind is blown. <laughs> I, re-
3: I remember that was the same actor. I remember even pointing that out yeah. to my wife because like, I just don't see him a lot, but I didn't think of those as being yeah. in the same universe, those movies. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's funny. Well,
0: like like I said, I mean, cool. it's like 40, you know, because one happens in the 60s and the other one happens, you know, like five years ago. So, but I don't know.
3: Yeah. I remember that first moment when you see them together, like in that, you know, in their domestic life and you're and you're just like, oh, thought she was going to be with Sebastian, you know, like, but then, but it's a really a great ending. And the other thing I love oh, about yeah. that is the, um, I feel like we're just doing spoiler talk now, but anyway.
1: I know. Oh, shit. Oh, well. I'm going to have to edit everything. It's okay. It just bleep it all. It's
3: sort of fantasy dance sequence where they go through yeah, different, yeah. Uh, experiences that some of that they've kind of already gone through. Well, they're, they're more like what would have happened, what could have happened had they been together. Right. But to show that it's just all a fantasy, it's just sort of like those the dancers in the background and like these colorful cardboard cutouts almost and and then you know they have that look they they when they look at each other at the very end. so I, I I thought that was excellent, a great movie. But yeah, there are a lot of movies like that where I guess they're they're romantic and they're comedies, but they're not they just don't end up together.
0: but they don't have to they don't have to be happily ever after, at least with each other.
1: And, and that's, and that's almost the better option. Like you, you realize like this would be their happily ever after this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nice. Well, it seems like we're already kind of naturally transitioning into, to the, uh, the, the research preparation homework phase of the episode, which is that (laughs) we are, we are going to share, uh, one least favorite Valentine's movie and one favorite Valentine's movie. And I'm guessing none of us are going to follow the rules because <laughs> I I had a hard time with. The, in fact, I'm going to say ahead of time, unlike our previous discussions, I'm actually hoping that one of you chooses something that's on my list so that I
2: can cover <laughs>
0: more than I. Yeah, yeah, this was this was a challenging one, but uh, yeah. so I thought okay, so let's let's go ahead and let's let's share some of our least favorite. Valentine's movies so that we can end on a good note and, and pitch some of our favorites who wants to, who wants to go first?
1: Can avoid eye
0: contact. (laughs) Danny, since, you know, being, being Valentine's and all, should we defer to, (laughs) should we be gentlemen?
1: (laughs) Ladies first. Sounds good. Um, No, Josh, I am totally feeling you there. Cause like I was trying to think like most favorite and least favorite, like rom-com or something like that, or like, you know, chick flick cause you know, I got to represent, And, um, and, and it's just so hard because I feel like a lot of those movies just kind of are at the same level for me where it's like, I I enjoy them and I'll watch them, but there's nothing that I'll rave about, but there's also nothing I'll really complain about either. Mm. Um, so I feel like my, (laughs) my picks are very like outliers kind of in a way, but they're definitely movies where it's like, these movies are probably going to pop up around this time and, um, here are the ones you should watch, here are ones you shouldn't. So, for what you shouldn't, um, this movie kind of represents just what I don't want to see in a romance movie. It's, it doesn't have that satisfying ending, um, it's all built on an affair, which makes me not like the protagonist, and it is uh, the English patient. I mean, um, okay. Which, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it won so many awards, and, like, I mean, it's it's got a great cast. Um mostly I just don't like the fact that Colin Firth was done dirty because no one no one can do that to to my Colin Firth. So <laughs>
2: um
1: but it's just like you know, even though it's cinematic, it's beautiful, I love the era. I just I think, you know, a war movie, um with that backdrop like it was it was beautiful, sure, but like the story of it just again, it was like one of those movies that made me feel uncomfortable and I don't like anybody and I just want it to be over. So don't watch this movie.
0: It is it is interesting how movies that, you know, w- when they violate some kind of an ethical oh, totally. type of, you know, where it's just like, I don't care how well acted this is, how well written it is, how beautiful it looks. I don't like these people, Yeah, you know, for, you know, um, the reason I'm laughing, though, is because I've so I've never actually seen the English patient, but I've seen the episode of Seinfeld where <laughs> <Right>. Elaine <laughs> where elaine goes to the english patient with her friends who are just in tears and she hates the movie she's like why don't you just die because i guess like i guess like the main character is like he's dying right we can't do more spoilers we've
1: already hit our spoiler quota
0: (laughs) but you've already told
3: people not to go see
0: this
1: (laughs) oh that's true okay so So here's what happens in extreme detail yeah,
3: okay, Mark. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny. I was. I don't. This is bad. But when you were talking, I was thinking the same thing as Josh because Elaine has that boss. That's, uh, you know, he's like he's almost indignant that Elaine doesn't like the English patient, right? Like,
0: Peterman. Peterman.
3: Yes. Elaine, get in the car. <laughs> we're going to see the English patient. You know, like. <laughs> yeah and it's it is I, I remember seeing it too and I was around I was probably around nineteen, twenty. I mean and I I didn't really love it either and I had such high expectations of it because it won best picture in 96 oh, yeah. it won a lot of Oscars you know director all, all the big ones um over a bunch of good movies like Jerry Maguire and which I guess is another rom-com type movie and The Shine and Secrets and Lies and some of those movies that came out that year, and it was just the big movie, and it was yeah, it was kind of boring and you know too sad, and uh, I yeah, the main character you really can't see him very well because of his (laughs) he's you know he's been burned in a fire and he's covered with bandages, but yeah, it's it's pretty tragic
0: (laughs) and not in a good way.
1: (laughs) <laughs> not the good kind of tragic and yeah no i just figured this is a movie that might pop up where it's like oh this will be super romantic and it's like if it's not you're not gonna find it here it's, no, yeah, yeah. Nah.
0: okay mark how about you so
3: my answer is and, and it's gonna be a I'll, I'll give you a broad answer but i'll give you a specific answer too and um i i first of all i think it's possible to have a bad valentine's day movie if we're going to define it as a what you should Watch for Valentine's Day. Like, let's say you're taking a date to a movie or your spouse, and you want to have a nice time and have a feel-good ending. Any movie where they just they don't end up together um, is kind of my general answer. That would just be a bad Valentine's <laughs> Day movie. Let's say that you were dating and, and or you wanted you know it was one of your first dates with somebody, and you go out and you watch a movie and you expect it, especially if it kind of leads you on, like it's that kind of a movie, but then they <laughs> don't end up together. That would just be a bad theater experience like
0: the one like the one with oh my gosh so oh what was what was the one it's oh, the actress from game of thrones and she was in the terminator sequel oh emilia clark? And, emilia, emilia, clark. emilia clark me, me before, me before you. you me before you i, I hated that movie, that movie. <laughs> <laughs> because the end like i loved it for 95 percent of it until that stupid ending i
1: know which Killed it! I know, He's
0: totally killed
3: it. So for me, my my specific one is called the breakup. Um, oh yeah, because okay. I mean, and I'm not spoiling anything, right? It's in the title, so it's not a spoiler. It's in yeah. the title, and the whole movie is just Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston fighting, and there's funny moments. I mean, there's some funny jokes, and they both have good, you know, comic chops. But you just know where it's heading, and you're like, we're gonna get there, right? Like they're they're just not gonna end up getting together again and, and then you really don't want them to because while the fighting you know like what good would they yeah, would yeah. they do so and I I saw that um, yeah a few years ago like I you know I didn't see it in the theater or anything and, and I guess too if I just could add a few others like going back to <laughs> Danny's point um, I like a lot of Woody Allen movies I have seen quite a few of them but I just can't see any of them really being a good Valentine's Day movie so many of them are about adultery He's obsessed with affairs and adultery, so I, I mean, even good movies like *Hannah and Her Sisters*. I don't, I just don't think that's a good Valentine's movie. Um, well, Annie Hall. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe Annie Hall would be the the exception. No, that, that's an interesting point because his movies are all about relationships,
0: but they're not necessarily romantic. Yeah, they're all,
3: they're about relationship, but they're not. Yeah, they're not like romantic, feel good type movies about relationships. I mean, they're introspective and they're they're actually uh-huh. pretty insightful. Some of them. Um, Maybe kind yeah. of, you know, hard-hitting and also often funny, but just not good for, like, if you want to have a good, t- you know, Valentine's Day movie.
1: And that's the thing. I love relationship movies, but I didn't even, like, consider that for this because, like, for Valentine's Day, yeah, you just want that, like, you want all the good stuff with the relationship, right? You don't want the fights, like you said, with the breakup. Right. You don't want, like, all, like, gross stuff or, like, things that conflict with your morals or, like, anything that's, mm. like... Kind of a deeper level but yeah no that's oh, oh, that's that's yeah. a good broad one yeah
3: you want characters okay. to do the right thing I think we we really want that in yeah. movies and I think it's one of the reasons and even though it's not I mean why like say Casablanca just endures for decades and decades mm-hmm. you know because right. you see characters that despite how hard it may be making those right choice and it may not be like the choice of two people being together that you may want them to see together but like these Woody Allen movies and a lot of other movies, they almost—it's almost like he tries to force you to root for the affair or the, the, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no,
0: that's a good point. Okay, so so my my initial instinct was to go with a movie called Somewhere in Time. I don't know if you, either of you guys have heard of this.
1: Dude, I have thoughts about this one. <laughs> My grandparents so, forced me to watch this, and they're like, "It's the most romantic thing," and I'm like, "No, <laughs> it was so." <laughs> okay, okay. So, Sorry. so this
0: is <laughs> this is why this is. So, I kind of had that same that same impression, yeah. right? Because you know, when I was growing up, there was kind of like this aura around it, like, "Oh, this is like this Christopher Reeve yeah, and Christopher Jane Reeves, Seymour," yeah. I think, and yeah. yeah, and and so because of that. I had a, a group date when I was, at I think I was probably like either a senior in high school or just like my first year in college. And, and I thought, oh, well, I'm going to get this movie because that's going to score me some points. Right? Yeah. Thinking that it's like this great romantic swooning Aww. movie that's going to set the mood and all this. And instead, it was, we just laughed at it because the, <laughs> it's the plot. so bad. And it's like, it's so long ago. I'm trying to remember even what like the basic plot is. I mean, I think it has to do with Christopher Reeve, like in modern, well, modern day in the 70s or 80s when it was made. And he has to like travel back in the centuries to chase down the love of his life. And he thinks
1: himself into the past.
0: Yeah. With the power of his mind. And it was just, it was just so absurd that rather than like, rather than set the mood, so to speak, (laughs) it wound up like doing the opposite and we're laughing at it and i can't i don't think i ever went out with a girl again <laughs> the, the particular girl you blame blame it on the movie but but that, well that's the thing though and so that's why i thought well you know i can't choose a movie for that reason because that you know for one thing it's one of many that i could you know blame i think i think one girl stopped you know refused to date me after seeing mission impossible 3 because she thought it was implausible but i mean
1: mission you know so
0: she's like mission yeah, implausible right, for right. me Yet. Oh god. No, she was she was almost like visibly angry. Yeah. <laughs> so so my my date was was enraged that Tom Cruise was able to like recover from the defibrillator and not just like throw up and be a mess. Like the fact that he was like back to being Tom Cruise and I I, I kind of swore that like I'm pretty sure that's why she didn't want to go out with me after that it's cuz she blamed me for that terrible movie but anyway well because because I felt like I should pick, I should choose something that that really is just a bad movie and we've already talked <laughs> about Nicholas Sparks so so I actually I, I actually looked up the re, my review for my the first Nicholas Sparks movie I had to <laughs> had to cover and it was called it was called The Best of Me from I think back in 2014 and it's really just kind of one of these routine like two early middle-aged you know beautiful people have been separated for years and they get together to rekindle their friend their 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 love, but it's it's toggled with the story of their original romance played by younger actors who at least in the guy's case looks nothing like him, and so it's just like ridiculously dissonant. Um, but since I cut out the review, I thought I'd read the first. I'm going to read my opening to get to to capture my distaste for this movie. It says, imagine someone pulled a drain plug on a majestic mountain lake. At first you wouldn't notice anything amiss, save for a low gurgle echoing from deep under the water. But as the water line dropped, exposing the soggy shore, your heart would drop. And by the time the lake vanished away, leaving sludge and long forgotten trash and desperate fish flopping around, gasping for life, you'd realize the tragedy before you. That's pretty much how it felt to watch the best of <laughs> them.
2: That,
1: <was, laughs> that was
0: so it inspired some some uh, out of the ordinary writing for. I, I was I, I was I felt a little more uh, driven. That's great. In, yep. the, in that regard. Yeah. No, that was beautiful. But, sometimes beautiful
2: the worst oh.
3: sometimes the worst movies inspire the best writing. So maybe, maybe how about how about we flip it, we it around pretty then pretty or any good. other.
0: Any other, uh, you know, any bad ones that we we need to bring to the table just just
3: for fun? As far as bad ones, I no, I think I've got a lot more a lot more good ones. Okay.
1: That, well, maybe we should maybe we
3: should go there. Too. Let's do that.
0: Let's do that then. Okay, okay, Danny.
1: I have I have a runner up for this one because like okay. again I was kind of just going in the mode of like you know what would I recommend not to see and what would I recommend to you see, I mean, one movie with just great romance that I would recommend to everybody. I just, I rave about It's so cute. It's a uh, Penelope from 2006 with Christina Ricci and James McAvoy. Yeah. And it's just adorable. Like, it's, it's like a real life fairy tale kind of movie. It's just so just charming and the characters are so just wonderful and it's just, it's cute and, and I absolutely love it and the plot's fun and it's just uh, it makes me feel good, so I will probably be watching that one uh, to celebrate Valentine's Day because I just I love returning to it. So nice. I just I I have to throw that one in. What
0: what what is it about? That's that's the oh. one where she's got the funky little nose, right?
1: Yeah, she's got a little pig nose.
0: So so my sister has told me about this movie. I still haven't gotten to it, but she you know I've heard good things about it.
1: Yeah. No. It's. It's so cute, like you know, it's kind of the whole Beauty and the Beast, but reverse, cause like she's the Beast or whatever, and there's like a curse. Oh, uh, okay. And um, but there's there's a lot to it, and it's just got so, it's got such a great message, so much like positivity in it that just, it's it's so cute, and like, um, Christina Ricci, like her, the the way she plays Penelope, it's just oh my goodness, you just love her. She's just. She's got so much personality. And I think that's another plus with these romance movies. If, you know, the characters have a lot of personality. Um, love interest has, has um, his own personality. All the side characters, like, you know, everyone's pretty well established. Like, they just seem like real people, but they, they definitely differ from one another. It doesn't seem like, you know, the same writer just pretending to speak through these different actors. They, they kind of, like, mm-hmm. feel like their own characters. And I love that about it as well. So. Yeah, definitely nice. definitely nice. check it out.
0: But that's but that's the runner up. That is
1: the runner up, because um I, I, this was gonna be my pick. Um, but then my husband reminded me of the movie that is just kind of like our movie, and I, I was just like, Oh, I, I have to talk about that one then. And it's um about time.
0: Oh nice.
1: From twenty thirteen with Gleeson and Rachel McAdams, and it's kind of again, it's kinda of like that hybrid where it, it's sort of science fictiony with like he can time travel and stuff like that and um and it's just it, it's it's so and maybe this kind of ties back into our conversation about you know relationships and analyzing that where you know you're you're seeing this man and um and his relationship with Mary Rachel McAdams character and just kind of seeing the timeline of that and how what what's dating like what's marriage like what's you know starting your family like and just kind of like following that and um the romance is definitely just it, it's wonderful um all the acting is just it, it it's great it's it's such such an awesome film and i think for me personally the reason why i realized like oh my goodness i have to pick this movie is because um this was a movie we watched um uh, during our honeymoon because we got married um, right when the pandemic started, so basically we just spent our entire honeymoon watching movies. Like we watched all of uh, the Godfather movies. You know that was yeah you know, <laughs> just super romantic. Romance. But like, yeah. So we, <laughs> so we were watching. Because these- my
0: my mind is automatically <laughs> going to the scene in the middle of the first one when like right after Michael gets married in Italy, his wife gets blown up. Yeah.
1: More spoilers. <laughs> wow, I'm gonna have to put in all sorts of warnings for this. Um, episode. No, totally, but so we were just, we were watching all these movies just to kind of like get on the same page of like, oh you know, I really like these ones, I've never seen it, and so we just, we binge watched so many movies, and this was the last one that we watched, and it just felt like you know, talk about satisfying endings, like that just felt like such a great way to feel really excited about starting out our marriage together, and it's a movie we talk about a lot, we revisit, and it's just yeah, it's another one of those just feel-good romance movies. So.
0: Nice, nice. I, and I, I have seen that one, and I fully endorse your choice. <laughs> Thank you. Even even if only because it features one of my favorite actors, um, and I can I still to this day can't. I'm not sure if I'm going to mispronounce his last name. Bill Nye, who plays oh, Gleason's he's dad. So good. That guy so good you could, st- you could stick him in anything and it would become a good movie
1: we need Just, him in the nicholas like, I, I, sparks movies that will save them
3: okay mark um so i i was trying i always like to go back to theater experiences and try to think of like the first good theater experience with you know like whatever we're talking about and mm. and for me it i was thinking of it's funny because it's you don't think of it as a romantic comedy as well. it's really just a straight-up comedy. But it's okay. it's based on Cyrano de Bergerac, which is a romance story, and it's, it's Roxanne. Not, it's not that
0: oh, new one. No, no, no. It's Roxanne. <laughs> Come on! I have made it clear that that movie
3: sucks.
1: Oh, I'm still waiting for that one. I'm <laughs> so one
3: excited. I'm talking about the Roxanne, I think, from around yeah, 1987 yeah. with um, Steve Martin. Yeah. And I, I probably, and I don't know, maybe I had, and you know, I was like 10, but that was probably the first like romantic comedy I saw in a theater or, yeah, or, yeah. or if it wasn't, it was, you know, the second or third, but, and I just remember it being hilarious and, but also there was sort of that whole kind of love story that, that drives the plot of, of like, you know, um, him being the, the Steve Martin character, you know, helping uh-huh. this other guy, uh, to, to woo the, the the you know the female love interest in the movie and there's a lot of comedy in the movie that's mined from those scenes but also just Steve Martin scenes even when he's not yeah. doing you know the love whispering or whatever you want to call it um, being sort of like a the, a ghost poet but he um so like that was funny it was a great movie and you know it kind of also introduced me to Steve Martin early on who's just you know comic genius and and not really known for for romantic comedies you know i mean that that probably more like tom hanks in the in the you know late 80s and early 90s yeah
0: well now i'm I'm trying to think of another movie where steve martin played any
3: kind of a romantic lead yeah i i don't there's there's got to be others he's been in a ton of stuff but not you know
1: he got a good smooch at the end of uh, Three Amigos. You
3: know, <laughs> well, that's, is, that's what I that mean, count? though. It's like, you know, well, and then, I mean,
0: he was the dad in Father of the Bride, right. so he was, yeah. you know, the married. But, like, that's not that's not a romantic lead part. That's,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and what, what's interesting is I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking, gosh, you know, I, I would never think to try to pair up Steve Martin and Daryl Hannah. But it's a good movie, you know? Like, that's that's not, like, kind of an oh, It's like, oh, yeah, there, that's going to be a... You know, perfect match. But no, that that was a good one. I haven't seen that one in a long time, but that was a good. That one. was
3: great. And it, and then just to kind of go along with the theater theater theme, because um, they did have a big effect on me. And it was a few years later, maybe seven or eight years later, was while you were sleeping. Yeah. Um. First first, Sander Bullock movie I ever saw, and you know, and it's just such a great plot. Like right at the beginning, yeah. you know what happens right. to Peter Gallagher, and then and then you know Bill Pullman steps in and and he's funny and charming and you just, you'd hope they're getting together, you know, that they get together Mm -hmm. and it was, it was great. It was, that was, that was another one that's just to me, is sort of like a classic near perfect romantic comedy. Um, And, uh, and then there's, there's, have you guys seen Return to Me?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. With Minnie Driver and uh, uh, David Duchovny. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Fox Mulder. Mulder. Yeah. Fox Mulder. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's another one that I like. I've always been partial to that. That one had a lot of funny supporting characters in it too.
0: Right. That's right. Oh yeah.
3: It was Carol O'Connor's last movie, and so you know it's one of those movies where you you start to identify even with other characters who want like like there's there's a bunch of older people in the movie who are supporting the you know a younger person like Minnie Driver and they want to see her happy and they want to see her help love and so you're kind of like rooting for her just like her you know surrogate father figures in the movie and it was that was yeah. a that was a funny one and of course it has the big twist i mean i'm not going to spoil yeah, it because yeah. we haven't spoiled any movies in this podcast <laughs> <laughs> we have a strict rule strict no spoiler rule um maybe you should put a spoiler warning at the beginning of this
2: you know 100%. that might be a good idea Oh, well, I was okay. gonna say
3: because because
0: IQ does the same thing where where you have the um, like Walter Matthau plays um, uh, Albert Einstein and and there's kind of like the 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 daughtering adorable old men who are kind of the court like the Greek chorus in the back uh, right, of yeah. the action trying to you know get uh, in that case was was Meg Ryan and uh, Tim Robbins right for IQ I think it the, was uh, Kevin
3: Kline wasn't it.
0: Oh, maybe it was Tim oh, No, that was French Kiss. That was French oh, Kiss. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, no. Believe it or not, I am pretty well versed in the romantic comedies of the 1990s, as, uh,
1: yeah, more as than we're I'm about surprised. to find yeah. out. I shouldn't <laughs> have <Yeah>.
0: questioned
3: you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just, just make sure you learn your lesson, Mark. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that's... I. While You Were Sleeping, and About Time, and Roxanne. These, these are some good ones. Um, I am glad that we've some that, uh, Mark, I think it was you who mentioned Casablanca, right? That one, because I was really thinking hard about, you know, like it's Casablanca is one of those movies that it's hard to pick against because it's so good, but it also kind of seems like saying that, you know, Citizen Kane's your favorite movie of all time. It's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Right. Sure. Okay. Um, but, but Casablanca, I'm going to, I'm going to give that a very, very honorable mention. Um, and and unfortunately i was i was hoping that you guys would pick one of the two that i was torn on and neither of you did so so thanks a lot for that
2: <laughs> you're uh, left on your own so
0: so now i'm officially going to have to cheat and uh and do a two for uh because i i was so torn on these on these two movies and they're actually interconnected they, so so there is kind of an, an interesting connection between these two movies um and and they actually also kind of plug into the discussion we were having earlier as far as, you know, what role the plot has to have in, or like whether the romantic element has to be a sub, uh, the main plot or the subplot or whatever. Anyway, um, I think that I'm ultimately going to go with Joe versus the volcano as my recommendation. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and I'm guessing that most people listening to this will go, "Huh, what's that?" Um, so, Joe versus the volcano is a brilliant, adorable movie. Uh, I want to say it came out in about 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, John Patrick Shanley is the director, and he the the story. So, it's Tom Hanks is a guy who is just kind of at a dead end job. You know, it's it's like really, really, like. I mean, it's, it sounds a little crude. This isn't a really crude movie, but he, he works at a company that, that builds anal probes. Like, it's like for like medical devices, and it's just like for colonoscopies and stuff, so, which is just kind of symbolic of like how, how miserable his life. <laughs> oh, don't, you know, don't, don't let that deter you. Um, so, so he is miserable, and he goes to the doctor and gets dia- He's He's also a hypochondriac, and he gets diagnosed with what's called a brain cloud, and and so he's, he's told that he only has like like a month or two to live. And he's like, oh, finally, I know what's wrong is I, I have a brain cloud and I'm going to die. And and so in the midst of his uh, his kind of sadness, Lloyd Bridges recruits him to go on this mission to the South Pacific and jump into a volcano to sacrifice himself on behalf of this this island, verse, uh, full of villagers who, if they don't, if there's not a sacrifice in the volcano, the volcano will go off and will destroy their homes and all this kind of thing. It's, it's very kind of zany and kind of offbeat. If you if you watch it, it'll make a lot more sense than what I'm describing. <laughs> and so, as Tom Hanks is making this journey to the island, he meets three different women all of which are played by meg ryan so she plays three different roles in this movie and the crux of the plot is about him kind of overcoming his his depression and kind of the things that are holding him back and decide you know kind of deciding that live, life is worth living and of course getting together with the third version of meg ryan who is the the right girl and and so it's the first of the movies that Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks were in together because everybody kind of thinks of all oh, we'll Sleepless in Seattle yeah. and, you know, and you've got mail, but they were actually together in Joe versus the volcano before any of those. And, and given that I had kind of like a 10 to 15 year crush on Meg Ryan, that, that kind of put this one pretty <laughs> close to the top of my list. Um, and really, and that's, that's why I say it's like, cause you could kind of say that the movie is mostly about Tom Hanks kind of redemption, but the romance is such a central part of it mm-hmm. that I think that that it would qualify. Um, and it's just, I don't know, like, like I say, when I, when I describe it, I, I don't capture kind of like the joyous quirkiness of it because it's, it's very much kind of like a fairy tale type kind of tone and execution and stuff. Um, now, the movie that was right on its heels and on a different day might be my number one, was actually also written by John Patrick Shanley, the guy who directed Joe vs the Volcano. Shanley also wrote Moonstruck a couple of years earlier, um, which was the movie with Cher and Nicolas Cage that, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen, but that one, and that's a more traditional kind of love story, romantic comedy. And holy cow, if you haven't seen Moonstruck, you've got to see Moonstruck. It is just brilliant from start to finish. Like, Cher and Nicolas Cage play kind of like early middle-aged people who have, like, I think Cher is a widow and Nicolas Cage, like his, his fiance left him several years earlier and Cher is actually engaged to Nicolas Cage's brother. And so she goes to invite him to their wedding and they kind of fall in love with each other. And it's kind of like this whirlwind, crazy romance that is just, I don't know. It's, it's awesome. Like, either one of those movies if you like that kind of stuff at all you have to see them you absolutely have to see them and because they have like the same same writer um norman jewison is the director for uh moonstruck and he has done some other just awesome awesome movies um if you haven't gotten into his stuff but yeah so so just by a nose no pun intended to roxanne (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Joe versus the volcano for my for my recommendation, but uh, <laughs> Moonstruck should make it a nice double
3: bill. It's, those are great choices. I, I actually I love both of those, and I I remember seeing uh, Joe versus the volcano was a theater movie for me, and it yeah. was so it was just so different. It was just so unusual. Yeah. Like, and and there was kind of that sense of doom, like you know, the the from once he makes that decision or he accepts the proposal to go to the volcano. You're just kind of wondering like, gosh, are they really going to kill off Tom Hanks? And so, I mean, it's an interesting movie. It's, it is funny. Yeah. And I didn't realize till you said that it was directed by John Patrick Shanley. Cause the only, yeah. I, he, he wrote doubt, he wrote one of my favorite plays.
0: That's right. That's right. It's a very
3: serious drama. It's not funny at all. And I've seen it performed up at the university of Utah and there's a great movie version of that. So very unlike, you know, Moonstruck and Joe versus the Volcano. So he's got some range. Mm-hmm. Um some versatility yeah. and uh yeah, uh, and Norman Jewison with Moonstruck. Oh no, no you said Norman Jewison did Jewison did Moon. So he he direct he directed Moonstruck. Oh, Okay, he directed Yeah, Mo- so yeah. Norman
0: he, yeah, and then and then Shanley wrote
3: oh, okay, Moonstruck. Yeah, wrote Moonstruck.
0: And then he all then he wrote and directed Joe versus the Volcano. Okay.
3: Yeah. yeah, I Norman Jewison has had a pretty long career too. I think he did Fiddler on the Roof. He
0: did. He, well, he did a lot of, he actually came and spoke um, to my, so my screenwriting class at the University of Utah went to a little presentation of his. He was just on campus, and it happened to be the same night as our class. And, and I had heard his name, but I had no idea like how many movies he had done. He did, uh, he also did Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, He did The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming. Um, He did uh, In the Heat of the Night, uh, Sidney Poitier, who just, you know, just passed away.
3: Um, yeah, he did that. That was the best picture winner in 1967. He didn't win the directing Oscar, but he, he, he directed that movie that won best picture.
0: Wow. Yeah, no, he's well, and then, and this one I thought was really, really funny. Just, just kind of as a modern twist. He did a movie in the early nineties called only you that had, uh, Robert Downey Jr. And oh my gosh, now I'm losing your name. Uh, oh it was the uh best supporting actress
3: marissa tomei. for
0: marissa tomei and so which i thought was interesting because the two of them were the romantic leads in that movie and then they were again together in the spider-man movies because it's like tony stark and oh. and tom holland's <laughs> you know true. Aunt
1: uh
0: Aunt May. at may yeah and so especially because like he's hitting on her, you know, he's Uh kind of flirting with her the first time he goes to recruit him in civil war and stuff. So I just thought, Oh man, I didn't even realize that. That's kind of funny, but you know, it's a, Oh, the, Oh, the tangled webs we weave. (laughs) Oh, and that was a pun. That was a pun. I didn't even, mean. yeah, good job.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I I did have, can we do some honorable mentions really fast? Sure. Sure. I said I named three movies, but I I have a few more that were, that I, I like just as much as those other ones. Um, silver linings playbook that one
1: is so good
3: (laughs) so funny so good and it's it's more about two imperfect you know kind of broken people that have pretty serious issues that get together and i think one of the one of my favorite scenes of the movie is when they're you know and it starts out with the guy that you don't even realize at first how how like kind of mentally ill he is you know and Mm -hmm. when he's leaving from the the facility that he's in and he doesn't take the medication he's supposed to but like he meets uh jennifer lawrence character at the dinner and they start hitting it off by talking about the pills that they take like the medication <laughs> for medications they've taken and it's just nice. so funny because everybody else at the table just doesn't really know what to say you know and there's a lot of great great it's scenes in that movie so
1: good. i love the whole nice. idea of like you know who's actually crazy because I feel like we all feel crazy to some degree and so it makes it oddly relatable even if you know we haven't had those dinner conversations about the pills we've taken and you know it's just yeah yeah no it's that <laughs> one's super super fun I'm such a Bradley Cooper fan so I'm, I'm glad he's on the list there
0: Bradley Cooper was my far and away my favorite thing in licorice pizza oh okay it was just last oh my gosh his, his cameo so in great. that his supporting role is brilliant um, have either of you guys seen before we go?
1: Mm-mm.
3: The a movie called Before We Go. A movie, go. yeah. This is oh. this
0: isn't me saying Before We Go. Oh, okay. we say, <laughs> no, it's no. There's Chris there's Evans. a movie. Yes. So so Chris Evans directed a little movie, and I mean little I'll movie. Like this is just it. like a cast of two. Um, he and Alice Eve are are the leads in this movie, and basically what happens is she, I think she loses her wallet or some something happens and she's kind of stranded at the subway station. And so she's kind of stuck in the city and she can't get out. And she's actually, she's either married or engaged to somebody else. And Chris Evans just plays this, this friendly guy who tries to help her out. And they just kind of wind up spending this evening trying to kind of get her home. And it's this, and, you know, and maybe it, maybe it's not the best. I don't know. It's, it's really interesting because typically in that kind of situation, you want them to get together because they're the two leads that you have spent the time getting to know and and all this kind of thing. But there's also kind of like this, this is more of kind of a mature adult type thing where it's like, you know, it's not just about them getting together. Two people can, you know, have a real friendship and I don't know. It's, it's really, it's a really unique. And I think he just did it a few years ago. So he did it in the midst of all of this, all this Marvel stuff. But, uh, Hmm. That's a that's a cool little one. Yeah.
1: That's so cool. Speaking of the engagement thing, uh, something funny that came to mind when you guys both brought up your two picks uh, with "While You're Sleeping" and "Moonstruck." There's kind of this theme of being engaged to the brother that I think is kind of oh. a funny. trope. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's is, right. Which is really funny because we kind of established early on. It's like, ooh, the affairs and the like, adultery and stuff like that. But there's something about like the engagement to the brother that's kind of a funny trope. I don't know, cause it made me start thinking of um, yeah. Dan in real life.
3: Oh my gosh! Right? Yes, that's yeah. so funny. Yeah, when you said engaged, to her, that's I was a like, good one. Dan in real life is the, is yeah. that exact thing. Although I don't know if they're engaged, but they're dating.
1: Well, I think he proposes to her during.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, um, I actually was able a few years ago. I was able to interview the director. His son, Lucas Hedges, has has done some really incredible stuff, and his son was actually in the movie. He was.
3: Oh, is he the guy that's in, like, Manchester by the Sea? And Yeah. I, oh, yeah, I like him. Oh. Uh, yeah.
1: Talk about movies to not watch on Valentine's Day. Uh, Manchester by the Sea, don't watch that one either. It's a great movie, but oh my goodness, that broke my heart.
3: That movie was so emotional for me. Even the next morning, I was trying to explain it, like, this plot point that I really loved to my wife. And I was actually crying, trying to tell her about the movie.
0: So Lucas Hedges was also in this movie called Ben is back um, with Julia Mm -hmm. Roberts. And he plays a, uh, a drug addict who uh, is able to get out of his rehab and comes home for Christmas. And uh, of course there's a lot of tension because his family doesn't really trust him. And, you know, they're just kind of, they're very traumatized as the results of, you know, his addiction and things. And, 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 Lucas's father, Peter, directs it. And yeah, and so as as part of my coverage, I I wound up interviewing Peter Hedges. And just uh, one of my, I mean, I haven't done a ton of these kind of interviews. I've, you know, I've done a lot more reviews than features, but I really, really enjoyed talking to him.
3: That's cool. Have you guys seen uh, Always Be My Maybe? No.
1: Yes. And that one, that one was hilarious.
3: It's kind of like, you, you know how, I mean, one thing you see more now than you did, you know, years and years ago, although I guess this kind of started with When Harry Met Sally, which isn't kind of the one that oh, we haven't man, mentioned I didn't even yet. Kind that. of the elephant Holy in the cow. room that we haven't talked about. But it's like <laughs> this friend, you know, can can people be friends and, and lovers? And and this is more of like a back burner friend that is it going to turn into a real thing? And it's a yeah. great movie because it's... Uh, um, I think it's Randall Park is his name and Ali Wong, and then it's got a great cameo with Keanu Reeves. It's just hilarious. Oh,
0: Randall Randall Park, the, who's in the like Ant Man movies and the
2: Marvel yes. stuff. Yes, yeah, that
3: guy. And it's, okay. it was on. Yeah. I think I it's like a Netflix movie. Yeah, that that's worth yeah. checking out.
1: And it's funny that you say this about like the modern, because I feel like modern rom coms are just like so different from the formulaic mm-hmm. stuff, right? And um, as you were talking about that, and I'm thinking about Keanu Reeves in um, Always Be My Maybe. Like, um, I was thinking Destination Wedding. I don't know if you guys saw that one.
0: Oh, that sounds vaguely that familiar. That
1: movie was hilarious. So if, if you like the Always Be My Maybe, it's about um, two miserable, narcissistic wedding guests who, like, have these uncomfortable relationships with the bride and groom, but, like, they have to be there, and it's this destination wedding, and they're kind of, like, stuck together just being miserable with each other and it's just it's so funny
0: nice nice yeah see now i feel especially stupid because i actually own when harry met sally i'm staring at the blu-ray right now (laughs) and it didn't even occur to me (laughs) and it's a meg ryan movie too what what the heck am i thinking
3: (laughs) yeah i think we have the poster let me oh really (laughs) it's funny that i didn't choose it but that that's one of my wife's favorite movies so yeah we have a lot of movie posters but that's That's one of her favorites, and I like it too. I mean, I think it's a great, it's, yeah. When you think of romantic comedy, that's kind of one of the movies that comes to mind for me. Okay, well, thanks everyone so much. This has been a fun
0: conversation, as always. I think we've covered some good ground. And if somebody can't find a good Valentine's movie after our discussion, you guys just are not trying. Um, That's
1: extra pressure for Valentine's Day. That's-
0: <laughs> I know, but we're, we're providing a service. We've given them, we told them what to avoid, what to what, where to go. That's just true. follow my lead, and you know. Because if, if there's one thing that I can provide with my long life experience, it's, it's how to find success in romance. So. <laughs> and with that, we will leave you. Thank you so much for listening. And, uh, you know, you. keep Thank following so the website. Mark, thanks for joining us again. Danny, always very insightful. And uh, we'll be back right soon.